everyone and welcome to episode 17 of The Big Lies. First out of season episode for both of us. We've processed, we've watched soccer, so much has happened and I'm so happy to finally be talking to Jordan about the craziness of life right now. So Jordan, how are you? Oh, Sam, that's a great question. Um, I am, I'm good, I'm good. I've processed, I've gone through my feelings. We're starting to wrap things up here actually. We're like, last week was so chaotic with just getting back and you're looking at you know last few assignments before thanksgiving break and all this stuff so to have that little break and fully digest everything that's gone down these past what episode are we on now 17 these past 17 weeks um it's been it's been a lot but it's been good and you know i'm sitting in a good place with it now so uh, my skin's finally starting to clear up from season. I feel like, you know, you get that post, you know, end yeah. of season, just like funk. And I'm starting to finally be like, okay, like you look like a human being again. So that's been nice. That's been a nice journey. It's funny you say that. Like, I literally remember being on the bus going to the airport after our Georgia game. And like, someone goes, I just want to feel pretty again. There's something about it. Like being in season, hotels, all this stuff. I don't know about you, but I'm really weird about my hair wash schedule. And like with practicing that throws it all off. And like, there's something about just giving yourself some time to like rejuvenate a little self-care moment. And yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah. It's been you can always tell when the season's starting to end and like you have all the roots grown out and like everyone's just like you know the schedule just doesn't work with like you know the hair care and the skincare routines it just it doesn't <laughs> so um, now we've talked about our cosmetology and different things <laughs> like that there was some crazy games this weekend we have to address it jordan unc byu how insane was that it was absolutely insane. I'm not going to lie. Like I was still, I was with my family going through all that stuff. I was getting clips and highlights, but I wasn't fully sitting down watching the game. Um, You know, I had teammates sending things, oh, three, nothing easy. You know, they're getting crushed, whatever, you know, like, oh, okay. Like I didn't really know how to feel who I was rooting for. Like screw BYU because they beat us, but also like you want to lose to the champ. So like, you know, mixed feelings there. Um, I remember seeing like three nothing. I was like, game. Like they called it like, this is crazy. And the next thing I know, it's like tied up. And I watched the last like two minutes of the game. And all of a sudden, like BYU puts in a winner. Like they didn't even go to overtime. They scored four goals in the second half. Ridiculous. Like, absolutely. I mean, I was the same thing. I was watching it with my family. We watched all three North Carolina goals. And me and my brother were like, oh, like, you know, let's go hang out. Like, we don't really need to watch this anymore. Like, let's just go have some brother sister time. So when we were leaving, I like checked my phone real quick and I was like, they tied it? Like, what? I mean, how? 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 Ridiculous. And then on top of that, huge shout out to Nebraska for an extremely close game against Stanford. Stanford led all the way after scoring in the 10th minute and in the 88th or 89th. Nebraska makes it 1-1 and that game gets forced to OT. Unfortunately, Nebraska fell, but a great, incredible run by them. And Clemson, Penn State was an ama another amazing game to watch. I watched the whole thing actually and back and forth battle, three goals in the second half. And, you know, so unfortunately the Big Ten has fallen in this NCAA tournament, but it was a great run. It was a great run. I'm still going Florida State BYU predictions for the final here. Mm -mm. I think I'm going to have to go Florida State, and then BYU with BYU winning it all. Oh, I'm going Florida State for it all. All right. All right. Well, we'll see who's right next week. Those games occur on Friday and Monday of next week. So we're super excited. We will keep everyone updated about this run. So Jordan, we talked a bit about the processing that end of season has. Where are you at right now? Yeah. Yeah. So we talked last week and it's like, when you're through going through the season, it goes by so fast. But once it's over and you take a step back, so much has happened. Like it's a quick season, it goes by, but like there's so much that has happened for you to process and digest. I feel like there's just like three or four different chapters you have to like to go through. You got your preseason, you know, your non-conference games, you have your conference games, and then you have your postseason. And they're just separate scenarios for me where like I'm looking through it to process and figure out all my feelings for it for me the season I mean it's been it's been a journey it really has been and 
I've struggled with it for a while on what to feel for this. I think what I've landed on is I used to think like everything happens for a reason. You know, that's kind of the quote I gave it. You know, I didn't, I don't know if I truly believed it, but that's kind of how you justified things. Um, I think I've changed that to you give a reason to everything that happens. Hmm. And the, it's important distinction because it allows things to just suck sometimes. You know, that just, they happened and it just, it kind of sucks. And for me this season was kind of just that. I think my freshman year, I had some regrets about maybe not fully putting myself in and just being satisfied to be there. Sophomore year was a struggle. I didn't know where I stood. I was battling with, you know, my coaching staff and my position, my playing time, but I felt good in what I laid out as a player on the field. And I think I needed to go through those years to become the player I am today and the person I am today. I think I learned so much that journey and I needed it. What I struggle with this year is I don't I don't know what to take away from it necessarily. I think it just kind of happened. Like it just kind of sucked. I don't know how much I've learned or grown through this adversity. It just happened. And, you know, not to like, I don't want to make excuses for anything, but I think from the start, the season really wasn't set up for a whole lot of success for me. You know, I came in starting with injury. I essentially haven't trained since last spring. You know, I, all my entire summer was taken away from me. I, my preseason was taken away from me. I wasn't fit. I wasn't, uh, you know, technically in the place I needed to be in order to compete. I had worked really hard to get there, finding myself in the starting lineup. And then um, throughout the season, though, we didn't, we trained differently this year than we have in the past. And I think it worked for a lot of people, but just because of where I was coming in off of injury and coming in off of a long months of not training it it wasn't great for me and I didn't realize that until too late so what we did this year essentially where we haven't in previous years where you play your Thursday Sunday game Monday's always off for most teams and then this year we did Tuesday was a regen group as well so starters or people with high loads high minutes also really didn't train on Tuesdays Wednesdays was your pregame and then Thursdays was your game you know Friday was recovery Saturday was your pregame, Sunday was your game. So the, really you didn't train, right? You weren't getting any better doing these technical things where in previous years, that's what Tuesday was for. And I think that I needed that probably, but I didn't realize that until too late um, to really like advocate for that or think of that. It just kind of weighed on me, you know, and I didn't feel confident in my ability. I remember Penn State, I think was the start of of that for me where the ball just kept going to my left foot and I just didn't trust it as much and I kept trying to cut it back or do too much and I lost the ball a lot and from that moment forward I think like a lot of the messaging I got or things of that nature were to like pass the ball or like give it to Emerson Sargent our other forward and she's a very very talented player but at the end of the day that's not why I'm out there and I think it just like I took a hit to my confidence and you as you know, Allie Cook has said, and pretty much all of our guests has said, confidence is 90% of the battle. Like being able to go out there with confidence is 90% of the battle. And uh, losing that, I think it just, it had an effect on my season and on my game and I didn't perform the way I would have liked. There's still a lot of moments I'm proud of during that conference play. I had seven goals, you know, I, I did a lot. You know, I had the brace against Michigan and then just when I felt like I was on the up and up after that game, I ended up tearing my hamstring, you know, and I'm out for the next game. And then uh, Rutgers, I was still very, very much injured. Um, I ended up playing through it, I'm, you know, but I'm not able to fully sprint or things like that, you know. And then it's a quick three games, I think, from injury to postseason where I ended up, you know, kind of getting pulled as a starter and seeing some of the fewest minutes in that last game I have in my career thus far and having to go through those emotions then of being pulled and you know we talked about it before and you can go listen to that episode I think I did a good job articulating the feelings I was having around that at that time but it was just you know I was embarrassed angry sad um, frustrated and a lot of times that's what sticks with you the most is the end of the season because one it's the most important time of the year you work the preseason is to get to that point. And then two, it's the last thing you you think of and you realize. Um, so I had to kind of put that to the side and look at all the other stuff we've done, you know, regardless of the emotions I had surrounding that postseason and 
you know, there were a lot and making sure I go through those as well. But also, it's the most games I've ever started in my career. It's some of the most minutes I've ever played consistently. Um, You know, freshman and sophomore year, I was playing, you know, half the game pretty much the entire time. And then this year, um, you know, I had some games where I was up like 80, 90 minutes, you know, playing the entire time and proud of those moments, proud of the work I put in to get there. Sad I wasn't able to stay there, but, you know, looking forward into this next season, knowing I have one more of those feelings around that, then like, this is it yeah. for me. You know, I'm officially a senior. This is my last spring going into training. I'm not looking to waste it. I'm looking to, you know, maximize every moment I have on the field because realistically they will be my last. You know, I have I have one more season, 18 guaranteed games, and that's it. My career's over as an athlete, which is the one thing I've pretty much defined myself as for the last 20 years is being an athlete. So I'm looking to, you know, maximize that, be the best player I can in those moments. I can only control so much. I have no idea Jeff's plan. I have a meeting with him recording on Tuesday. My meeting with him is tomorrow, so Wednesday to end a year meeting that we all have um, to kind of wrap it up and see his opinions on things and where he's standing with it all. But, yeah, it's a lot's happened, you know, and I'm proud of the team. You know, I think there's two different things to process. You have your individual goals accolades things you want to accomplish that individual process that you went through and then you also have the team one and we made history again as as a team and I'm proud to be a Spartan I'm proud of what we have accomplished these last three years every year's gotten better it has a lot of excitement for where we continue to go with this and with the Big Ten changing and you know the, what the future would hold for this team but as an individual I think this year there's a lot to you know still want there's a lot to what what is what is the quote here? I'm like, what is the saying I'm looking for? There's a lot left to be desired. There's a lot there's still a lot left to be desired. That sounds right. There's no, still I mean, a lot I... left to be desired as an individual. And uh, you know, I don't I don't know. I that's kind of where I'm at with this season. I don't know if there's a whole lot to take away from it in terms of player growth. I think it just it happened. It sucked. We move on. We move forward. I've gotten an amazing opportunity to go ahead and play in England over winter break with the Cleveland Ambassadors. They're going to send me on a little tour with some of the best players in NCAA with like Jordan Dudley from Florida State, Jordan Fusco from Tennessee, Taylor Huff from Florida State. Uh, We've got a lot of talent. Delaney from Notre Dame, like, you know, some old club teammates of mine and friends and some of the best players I think that are in NCAA right now. So I'm really, really excited for that. Kind of gives you something to still train for as I'm looking into this long spring season ahead um and it's you know it's also keeping you focused mentally where it's like the season sucked but I can't really sit in it I still have more to do a lot more work to get done and uh yeah yeah I think that's that's where I'm at with it like I've accepted it I'm okay with it like season is what it is uh I've accomplished a lot I'm not I don't have a whole lot of regrets on an individual. I think I worked hard. I did my best. I tried hard. It sucks that the outcome was what it was, but one more season left to go here and I'm looking to make the most of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I see college as a journey and a pathway. And if you would have asked me a similar question after my junior year, you know, maybe statistically I don't have the same thing, but I have it on an emotional level in a lot of ways. And so, you know, it's exciting to see in a way your next journey because I can say like leaving my fifth year I've processed it a lot I cleaned out my locker today that was weird my team went and ran the fitness test today and I was at the field before them training on my own and that was weird but there's something so proud of what I've kind of left behind and I'm only walking away from the Iowa soccer program with pride um, and with joy of everything that it's given me. And of course I'm sad to be leaving it, but I also know I'm leaving it in a great place with great people. And so I couldn't have really asked for much more out of my fifth year. Sure. Would I have loved to win one more game, Would I love for one shot that I made to go in or whatever it is, of course. But when you look at the overall journey that we went on, I, I, I have no words. And now it's just for me looking to the future. So I hope in every part of me that you and your last year can have the feeling that I have right now. 
Cause that's just, I mean, that's what you do it for in a long way of the journey and seeing, you know, I look back at 2019 and I'm like, I am not the same human. I'm not the same soccer player, but I'm not the same person, the same friend, the same teammate, confident, you know, mature in a lot of different ways. And so it, it's really, really fun to look back on that journey. And now it's looking what's ahead, uh, which is exciting and terrifying and crazy. And in so many different ways, um, even like I was texting my coach last night and he was like, how are you doing with everything? And I was like, you know, life's just crazy right now. And I just, it's hard because you don't have answers. I'm making decisions, all these different things. And he's like, yeah, like they really say patience is a virtue or something like that, huh? And I was like, okay, how long have you known me, David? Like, that's not exactly a trait I would say I thrive in. Um, so a lot of questions, a lot of meetings, a lot of different ideas, and we'll see what the next few months have in store for me. You got any more more details for us here? I mean, we've talked like off the podcast, like your your day in your life lately has just been absolutely insane. A little bit of of insight into maybe what your your days have looked like here. Yeah, my day has been crazy. Even like today, for example, we're recording this at four because I literally haven't been home since 7 a.m. Um, I guess we'll section it academically. I'm trying to finish school, you know, getting a degree might actually be worth the last five years in a lot of different ways. So I have a crazy project that I'm working on that unfortunately got pushed in November. So trying to grind that out as best as I can. Um, we're looking into like research behind NIL and social media for female athletes, which is a whole nother topic. On top of that, I'm getting married in 12 days. Yeah. 12 <laughs> days. It's wow. funny because like I feel like that's the least important thing on my list right now, which sounds terrible, but I got a fiance that's turned into wedding planner and that's all on him right now. Um, I've been talking with multiple sports agents trying to, you know, figure out the best path for me and navigate that process of representation and you know, learning about like what to look for in an agent and how that process is. Cause no one really teaches you that when you become an adult, apparently. Uh, and yeah, you know, debating about where my future lies, working on the application for the NWSL draft. I'm sure I'll have a lot of nerves when I hit submit, but we'll see how that goes. And a couple other exciting opportunities coming up in the next couple of weeks. So crazy life for Sam Carey, but we're, it's a good one. Absolutely. So when you... Like, is there a timeline to enter your name into this draft? Like, what does that kind of look like? So the draft is January 12th. The deadline, I believe, is the week before. I plan on having, my goal is, in a dream world, to have all of my decisions made and submitted, whether that be agency, whether that be draft versus going overseas immediately, all those other ideas, decided by my wedding. So December 10th is my deadline. I got two weeks to figure it out, and we're rolling with it. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That's a quick, quick timeline for, you know, all of these decisions, but if anyone can do it, it's you. I believe in you fully. So we got this. this. It's just a crazy life and we're on the journey right now. That's simple. My gut is telling me where to go in a lot of my ways. I think I pretty much have my decisions made. It's just getting some final second, third, fourth opinions and yeah, kind of good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing what the rest of your journey has in store of you for you i'm glad it's not the last time we'll see sam carry on the soccer field because that would be a tragedy let me tell you and i have to give a teaser jordan out of our podcast guest tries to get some dirt on me and kelly mcgrordy stayed loyal but i have a feeling next week next week's guest won't so as a little teaser it's finally happening the david diani is coming on the pod so he will have all the dirt to talk complete crap about me Absolutely. Real quick, I forgot to mention, like, yesterday the we had a Spartan NIL kind of celebration award for athletes, and the podcast got an award. Oh, God. What? Tell us about this. Yes. The podcast got an award. It's the Evergreen Empower Award. So it's using your NIL and your platforms for, you know, positive impact in the community. And they mentioned, you know, the podcast and the impact we've had on others, speaking about mental health, our journeys, being able to be there for younger athletes and kind of just being open and honest throughout our process and um you know they shine light specifically on the katie meyer episode as well and going into that but it was really really cool you know we got to go there and we had uh gabe romo my assistant coach kind of present me with the award and our you know athletic director talk about it and do all of that so it was 
it was quite an honor and I wanted to share it with you guys because it is a podcast award and you guys are the reason we were able or I was able to to get this and for to have Michigan State recognize that and uh give us that for our achievements is is really really cool feeling and it's Jordan that's amazing oh my gosh and Girls Soccer Network thank you for allowing us to have this platform we couldn't do it without you yeah thanks Jen (laughs) we love you Jen All right. Well, as we're going into this episode, it's portal time. It's craziness. The portal's open and I know it's lively and active. People are already signing all these different things. So we decided it was time to have someone who has had an amazing transfer story kind of talk about her journey through it all. So Kelly McGordy, thanks for coming on. Well, good afternoon, y'all. And today we are joined by the wonderful Kelly McGroarty of Iowa Women's Soccer. Like I said, I told Jordan this whole semester that I would step up my guest game. And today I think we're joined by a truly special one who has a pretty amazing story. So Kelly transferred from LaSalle last November. She put her name in the portal and found her way to Iowa. While at LaSalle, she was a member of the All-810 first team. And in her last season, her junior year, she scored six goals with five assists with the Explorers. This season at Iowa, she came into the Big Ten with a bang, and at this season, she was Iowa's offensive leading player with seven goals and four assists. Some of those were in some massive games and moments for the Iowa Hawkeyes this season. She was a key player all throughout the attack and has really impacted the team. So, Kelly, thanks for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. All right. So, obviously, this year has been a big one for you, and I can't wait to break it down. But like I said, one of the main things we really want to talk about is the portal, is this whole experience. You had a really unique journey at LaSalle that we'd love to get into and how you found your way to Iowa, you know, middle of nowhere, far from home. And so question number one, it's a little over a year uh, to the date that you decided to put your name in the portal. How did you kind of come to that decision? Um, So after freshman year is kind of when it all started for me. Um, I wasn't having like the best experience uh, kind of just with the location my old school was located in. It was in like a dangerous part of the city and I very much consider myself more like open land. Um, so I really wasn't loving my situation at the time, but I kind of just wrapped it up to being COVID just made everything kind of crappy. Um, and so finished freshman year, which was a COVID year. Um, and then sophomore year was a really rough year all around. Um, that's kind of what led me to trying out lacrosse. Um, I missed that my senior year of high school and it was kind of like a redemption kind of year. Um, I did plan on following through and finishing out my career as a lacrosse player as well as a soccer player there. Um, but even kind of with this, the season I had sophomore year, uh, junior year was kind of like the last chance that I was kind of giving my old school and um, still didn't really love it there and I was just told that in college like you should really be enjoying these few years that you have it's like sometimes the last years you have as an athlete um really pivotal moments in your life and to be as unhappy as I was I decided to enter the portal and with that I kind of just saw what schools reached out to me I only reached out to like one um and yeah I came on a visit here and then on I think Thanksgiving I had a phone call with Dave and after I hung up I went all right I think I'm gonna go there and I'm pretty sure I committed that day so yeah wow so you you were a two-sport athlete at your old college how did but you didn't commit as a two-sport athlete uh no so um going in I was just soccer. I had the option of also doing basketball. That was kind of the original sport I had talked to my old coach about um, because I was looking to do two sports. When COVID hit, um, I kind of just was like, I'm not going to bother. And then um, as sophomore year was starting, I kind of, I visited a lacrosse game from my old high school the previous spring. And I was like, okay, this actually is something I really miss. Um, and so I'd reached out to the coach. I put together a little highlight reel and I sent that in and I was supposed to have like a tryout kind of thing, um, with one of the coaches, but I ended up like tearing my quad in soccer. So I wasn't able to do the tryout, which is why I sent the clip in. And after they saw the clip, they were kind of just like, yeah, she knows what she's doing. Um, and then after that, it was kind of just how much playing time can I earn? And, uh, obviously being a good part of the culture um, that they would want me there. So yeah, I walked on my sophomore year and then didn't get to do it my junior year because I transferred. 
Can you talk a bit about being a two-sport athlete in college? It's such a rare experience, especially at a Division One level. What was that experience like for you? It was very, very busy and insane. Um, I actually made two TikToks on my one account, kind of exploring and explaining my exact daily routine because um, it was different on different days. But I would, I wasn't allowed to participate in a certain amount of hours in a day and in a week. There was like a few rules where if I participated with a coach there, it counted. But if the coach wasn't there, it didn't. Um, and there were some rules like that. So um, I would wake up, I would go to practice around 5.30 for lacrosse. Um, I do all my training there. Then I would run on over um, to eat some breakfast. And then I would go to lift with soccer, which was like right after. Um, and then I would have one class. Then I would go to soccer practice, but I couldn't participate in soccer practice, except I think one week I was able to because it was optional. Um, coaches weren't there, so it wasn't considered an actual practice. And then I would go to my lacrosse lift, do some more classes. And then we had um, lacrosse practice because the morning was just conditioning and that was like three hours. So my day was essentially 5.30 to I think 7.30 and there was no break in between. That's insane. I love that you mentioned the TikTok because we talked a little bit about it off the recording, but I actually followed you like before I knew you or before you even came to Iowa, like because of those, seeing what it was like to be a two-sport athlete. So you know, I love that part of it, but those are insane hours. Do you know if like, is that the, like the 20 hour rule that we're in now for NCAA? Um, yeah, I believe so. So depending on the season, um, is how many hours you get. So like, because we're in off season, I think we get more hours. Um, less, what do we get less? Yeah, less, we're hours. less hours. So that's what it was for soccer. I had less hours for soccer. So it was because of soccer that I couldn't train for soccer with lacrosse um because I don't think I we weren't going over in lacrosse I think we still had like wiggle room hour wise but if I were to add on any bit on top of that it would be breaking the soccer hour rule so that's why I couldn't and then eventually it just became like a lot and then also with traveling so um, I would go to only the soccer practices like when I was able to and um I had to miss all our scrimmages that they had um they might have had one home game, but I don't remember if we did, but yeah. All right. So Jordan jokes all the time that I find 25 hours in a day. I think Kelly, especially her sophomore year, really beats me in that regard. Yeah, for real. I was just times different over there. I swear. What the heck? We're in our own little bubble. It's a pretty unique thing. You were the first person to ever go to like a division one school and like transfer and be like, wow, like this is easier. <laughs> yeah. Like, my schedule's lighter. <laughs> Yeah, I would say that the schedule with being two sports was definitely busier, but I feel like here it's um almost you get more out of what we're doing. For example, like if we were to do scout at my old school, um, especially in soccer, we would be in there for over an hour um, where scout here, we kind of are in and out. Um, so although the time was a lot more, um, I feel like we're able to get just a lot more done and accomplished in a smaller amount of time here. So my schedule's more open, but it's more important and like get down to business when we're in it. Yeah, efficient. That makes a lot mm -hmm. of sense. So deciding put your name in the portal, take the leap of faith, you know, to find your new school. Can you describe some of the emotions, you know, that you were feeling going into that process? Yeah, so um, throughout the season, like I knew it was like an idea and after that season, if I still wanted to, I was going to be backed by my family. The whole reason I hadn't previously was because I'm big on like loyalty and I made a commitment to my old program and I didn't want to bail, but I kind of had to put myself first. And throughout the season, there just kept being these moments that just kept going like, yep, that's, that's it. I'm definitely. And that just kept happening. And so um, as the season was wrapping up, I went home to have like an official talk with my parents, like, yes or no um and I remember I said out loud like like I'm really scared like I'm afraid and I like looked down and I just so happened to look at my tattoo on my leg that says like be afraid and do it anyway and I kind of laughed because I was like that's kind of like perfect 
And I went, ah, screw it. <laughs> We're going to enter. Um, and I essentially just knew that although like a lot of memories were formed of my old school and uh, there were a lot of great moments, um, I just knew that kind of no matter where I went, life would improve for me um, and I'd be happier. So it's kind of like, no matter what happens, I'm going to go up. Um, even if it's not as high as I hope, there's just going to be an overall happier experience probably for me elsewhere. And the biggest fear was just like a lot of security I have at my old school. Um, being a starter, um, kind of with not really any um, pull to not being a starter anymore. I was playing like 90 minutes in a position you're not really playing 90 minutes in. I was looked at, I was told I was probably going to be a captain. Um, so it was like, I just had all these things I had worked for, memories created with people, um, and even like senior day, like being able to experience with these people you've struggled with for three years, where I've came here and you guys talk about these memories from freshman year. I'm like, so it's just decided that no matter what happens, um, life was going to get better and it was going to be the right choice. It was just really hard of letting go of security and just already what I've put into that program yeah yeah definitely is a scary thing to to go through and risk your security like you said for something so unknown and I think for a lot of people we talk about the transfer portal and it's kind of like this mythical thing can you explain a little bit of like what that is and what the transfer portal looks like when you enter it yes yeah, so um the way it works is I told my coach that I want to enter the portal um, he was very supportive, helped me find like schools that he thought I would be a good fit at. He recommended that I go up in conference. That way I'm not like kind of like I'm leaving to get better. So why not go up in skill wise, I guess. Um, and so essentially you kind of enter the portal, your name goes in, you have to kind of sign all these paperworks. The person at the computer kind of asks you like, are you sure? Um, you're like, Yes. And then your name goes in and um, there's like dates and guidelines I'm not 100% certain on, but after it's in, coaches can now read out, like respond to you. Um, and so you can email coaches, anything like that. And then they can also do the same. So I kind of waited like a week before I respond to anything just to see what came to me um, before I sent out any emails. And through that process, you get like D3 schools, D2 schools, D1 schools, um, certain areas of the country, um, stuff like that. So it's like you kind of start to weed through everything and decide like, okay, I'm narrowing it down to these few schools. And then you kind of just respond to them and you have phone calls with them if you're interested and stuff like that. Was Iowa one of the schools that reached out to you or did you reach out to them? Iowa reached out to me. And eventually, you know, you're going through, you have your list of schools that are made. How do you like pick one? You know, how did you end up at Iowa? So um, I had narrowed mine down to two schools, um, which was Iowa and SLU. Um, SLU was still in the A-10, but just being in the A-10 already, um, I had seen the way they played, the way they were coached, um, kind of the way they interacted. After the game we played them, we had, we were, we had lost, um, but like I think one of the coaches and like a player had came up to me privately and was just like, great job. And I just thought like that kind of culture is one I could see myself being a part of. Um, I didn't know much about the school or anything. I just knew they were a great program. And from what I saw, uh, it was a culture I could see myself being a part of. So that was a school I reached out to. But then I kind of was weighing Big Ten, A-10. And I had gotten in touch with Dave and then I came on a visit and after the visit, I kind of like looked at my mom and called my dad. And I kind of said to both of them, I was like, this is where I think I want to be. I don't even think I want to go on a visit anymore to SLU. Um, so I ended up by not even setting one up. And then I had a phone call with Dave a few days later and kind of finalized some things. So you must not have met Sam yet then, huh? Actually, Sam was a huge um role in me coming to this school. So I've gone through a lot of personal change within the last year. One of those, the biggest things is like soccer was my whole life and I didn't have many great aspects besides it. Um, when I came here, just the culture of the people, friendships, um, even just the location and setting of the school 
allowed my like other areas of my life to improve. So soccer didn't drop in any like passion, but I just got hop happier in a lot of other areas, which kind of made it more well-rounded. And that also just changed a lot of my viewpoints. So one of my biggest fears at the time was I was very down to business, intense, like on people a lot. Um, and that role on teams is not always liked. Um, and so I was very afraid coming in, like being that person, I didn't want to be hated. And I found out Sam was a lot like me in the sense where she's very down to business, um, always working hard and making sure other people are working just as hard. And so when I talked to her and she was saying how like the culture around her is still like, they're equally intense and they still love her and include her. And it's like good for her. And she was even realistic and about her first uh, semester season here and a little bit of the trouble she went through and her even mentioning that kind of showed me that she was being genuine and honest in her answer. And I kind of figured if she's good in this situation then I can be. And on top of that, I'd finally have someone with me that was like that. But then even getting here, I just, it kind of changed. And I've been told I'm like bubbly and all this other stuff. I always have a smile on my face where at my old school, I was very stoic all the time and kind of just always seemed angry. So it was kind of just different perspective now on things. But Sam at the time was one of the biggest reasons I committed here because I thought old Kelly would fit in really well. See, Jordan, I'm not a terrible person. I promise. <laughs> wow I was trying to like get at something you know and she gives me this heartfelt answer I'm like what you got it now you have to like trade it off you have to give me some like dirt on Sam or something like there's got to be something wrong with this girl <laughs> she's Did thinking long. this is great this is, yeah. <laughs> nothing jeez no it's you really can't it's just fine too many dang it maybe the fact that you broke your nose and you took your mask off putting your faith back in danger supposed to wear that mask it's because jordan bullied me that was the whole that might thing. be my bad <laughs> okay Oops. so for the girl in college right now who's kind of you know debating with putting her name in the portal this is kind of like the ideal time to do it what would you say for that person who's kind of on the line um if they're on the line i would say evaluate what you want um out of your college experience as a whole um if you're an athlete i'm assuming we're Playing just athletes okay as an athlete think about um the program you're having and what you do and don't like about it um there's certain athletes that want to be a part of a huge program um one that they're probably not going to play at and they just want to be a part of the program and have great academics along with that if that's what you want look for that if you're looking to play and come in right away and play uh make sure you're realistic in those expectations um uh, in the sense that like if you played JV soccer all four years and then you want to go to BYU um, it's like be realistic in that sense um, and then also kind of just think about why you're unhappy and why you want to leave um, is this just the culture you, you enjoy is it kind of the intensity uh, so kind of just evaluate what's not going right that's making you want to transfer self-reflect see if it's you that's causing the problems um I know I've met people that have wanted to transfer and they were extremely unhappy because they were unliked by people but they also were causing the unlikeliness because they were unhappy um I was one of those people too where just being unhappy made me not want to be around or they didn't want to be around me as much and then also think do you love the school or do you just not love soccer anymore? Um, because if you love the school, you love the people here, but you're really just not loving the grind of soccer anymore, maybe quit and join a club team um, to just have fun or maybe just pick a new hobby um, and something like that and stay in. So I just think really evaluate what's making you unhappy. Can you change that? Can you get that somewhere else? Um, and then after you kind of have those answers, then you can kind of make your decision. Yeah. How 
how much of a role do you think your fifth year played in your decision to transfer? I know you've already committed to staying another year at Iowa. So were you always planning to take it? And does that eligibility play a role in deciding to leave, knowing you have two years to start a life at another program rather than just one or a semester? Yeah, so I had always fully planned on taking my fifth year. Part of the reason I decided to transfer was I had always wanted to possibly play pro after um, college. And at my old school, I was just falling out of love with the sport and it wasn't because of the sport itself. And I also figured that being there wasn't going to help me achieve those dreams. So transferring um, wasn't like my final last year hurrah kind of thing. It was I have two more years to improve. And I think had I only had one more year left, I probably would have just said screw it and stayed um, and just made the most out of my situation. Like three years were already done um, and I would have been able to play lacrosse on top of that. But I think having that fifth year, I knew that I would still get two more seasons out of it. And to me, that's technically like half of your college experience anyway. I mean, I kind of wash out freshman year. So it's like I still get my upperclassman years at a new school. I think the COVID eligibility has played a huge role in the transfer process. And I'm curious to see kind of what happens because you're the last class with a fifth year. Um when those kind of go away again, if it's still as saturated in the portal or or not. So it was just a question I'm always interested in when people tell me like they've gone through the process and things, because like for me, it's never the fifth year's never really even been a question. I've never had it or seen it. I just know everyone else has one. So, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And I, I think it definitely plays a huge role in being able to actually start another like career, essentially, at a school rather than just being there like for a semester and then like piecing out. Mm hmm. Absolutely. So can you talk a bit, so you have a transition from a mid-major program going into the Big Ten, which is one of the top conferences in the country. What was that transition to Iowa first like, and what were some of the like main differences that you had from your old school to Iowa? Honestly, every single part of Iowa is different than my old school. I would say just the mentality um, that I have fits in a lot better here than it did at my old school. The talent's a lot better. People are extremely self-accountable, which actually helps because now you don't need to be on people as much. I think everyone is very intelligent um, in the actual soccer world of things. I found myself not knowing um, that there was so much like technical, um, almost like intelligence in the way things are played. Like my attacking center mid role was always get the ball, look to pivot, look to play through maybe mark up in the midfield, but kind of just look to intercept passes. Um, if you can score, you can score. But when I came here, it was so much more of tactics. That was the word. So that aspect of things was extremely tricky because it was just so much knowledge that other people have been gaining for, I guess my year would be four years where I was just starting. Um, and I'd already learned a lot of habits, especially at my old school. So breaking that was hard. The physicalityness is a lot different as well. Um, I've found that when you're at like lower level schools, that the um, competition is just extremely physical because the ball is less controlled. So you go in for a lot harder, um, scarier tackles, where in college, it's a lot of just 50-50 balls or passing, um, for lack of a better word, I guess. Um, and then... The atmosphere of the school, I've learned that the cultures with the East Coast and Midwest are very different. I've even learned that West is even different. Apparently, the further West you go, the hippier like you get. Um, so that aspect of things, I really enjoy the culture um, of the people here. I really like the layout of the school itself. Um, so there's just been so many aspects of my life that have changed, especially in the people. Um, it allows me to feel a lot safer in who I am as a person and let down a lot of walls that I've put up throughout my life. Um, and because I'm more authentic to myself, it's made me just happier as a person. That's really, I mean, I love your story. Incredible. I love uh, that we've talked so much about the soccer aspect of it and the impact it's had and your journey throughout that. But going a little bit more, when you transfer, 
you're also transferring as a student as well as an athlete. What was the impact that transferring had on kind of your academics and that journey as you went through this? So the struggle with the um, academic part of it is um, somewhere along the line, my major had gotten changed and I wasn't fully aware of that. Um, I loved my academic advisor. Um, I think it was just miscommunication at some point, but not being able to go to my original major and then having to transfer. Um, There's certain schools that actually it's really easy to get into. It's really hard to get out of and vice versa. So with my old school, it's kind of hard to get out of. And so what I mean by that is like certain credits don't transfer. So like the courses we have here at Iowa, um, we might not have, or you might not have at Michigan State. So like if we were to go to yours, I'd have extra credits. Um, that I can use in other places. But if you were to come here, um, because we don't have those courses, you have to take more courses to earn those credits and kind of check off things in order to graduate. So when I came here, my academic advisor worked a lot with me and um, making exceptions and kind of really working on getting a lot of my classes counted for. But on top of that, I still had to make up a lot. So I'm graduating, I believe, technically after my fall um, instead of on time where I would have been early. Um, one of the biggest, um, easiest things to explain is at my old school, I only needed to take three years of a language. Um, and here you need four, I believe it is, or something like that. Um, and so I took three years of Spanish in high school, didn't take my senior year because I didn't need it for my old college. And here um, I either had to take another semester of Spanish at like the highest level, which I would not have passed or a full year of a new language. So I'm in Swahili. So it's just like, it's hard with like, um, I guess the credits is the biggest thing. And then I also learned that the schooling system's a little different. Um, there was only one class I had at my old school that resembled this um, academic kind of way, I guess. Um, I had a lot of assignments, a lot of quizzes, a lot of tests, um, a lot of homework. And because of just the amount, it made the weight go down a lot. So if I like bombed one test, it wasn't the end of the world. I probably dropped like two points where I had one course that was three exams throughout the entire thing. And I, sh I did not do on the first one. And I was just climbing my way up where Iowa is exactly like that, where I have three exams throughout like all of my classes throughout the whole semester. And so that was the biggest struggle because the hardest part of my last school academically was the entirety of my new college or university. So that was the hardest part in the actual classroom. Yeah. What's your major? What are you going to be graduating um, with? Communication studies. Don't yeah. ask me what that means. Jordan, I got to ask, is there a very like, is there a language at Michigan State that you have to take that randomly all of your teammates take? Because for us, it is Swahili. And I believe we do currently have like seven girls in Swahili on the Iowa soccer team. Are you Maybe required to mama. take a language? Yeah, you're required to take four semesters with a language if you didn't do it in high school. So I took four years of Spanish in high school, so I didn't have to take Swahili. But everyone from the Iowa soccer team, it feels like is in Swahili. I don't know. I mean, I took three years in high school. Maybe that transferred or something but I, none of us take a language at Michigan State so I don't think it's a requirement at all and that's what I mean because you didn't need to have a language like if you had taken no language in high school even though it's probably required in high school you're perfectly fine to enter your college but then you wouldn't have been okay to enter Iowa so then you have to make up those classes in college on top of the other things that um are mandatory is it like an AP course you have to take? Like how do, cause you don't get college credit for like just average high school courses, do you? No, you just have to prove that you took four years of it. So like, I didn't get any college credit for being in Spanish for four years, but I like on my transcript of college, I had four years of a language, so I didn't have to do it in college. That's so interesting that you guys do that. Can you say something in Swahili for me now? Bujumbo. What's that mean? <laughs> I I think it just means like, hello, like, nice to meet you. I know Avia is bless you. That's the one I use the most. So yes, Taylor Kane on our team. She would know a lot more. <laughs> so interesting. She's the cheat code. Okay. So from an outsider looking in, if you looked at your stats this season, you would kind of see that you found your footing throughout the year in a lot of different ways in the big 10. Can you kind of describe 
what playing in the Big Ten this fall was like and kind of that process of discovering your place in the Big Ten and how you can thrive? Yeah, so um, everything was still very new to me. Um, But on top of that, it was bringing a lot of new challenges that I've never faced in my life. Um, Like I had said, I was a starter um, my whole life. I never had to fight for a spot necessarily. Um, I did a little bit freshman year, but it was also more so I felt I was deserving of the playing role where coming here, um, not only having to fight for one, but also learning to be able to sit back and go, this person is the right fit to be on the field right now. Um, And that's never been someone that I was. I've always been just like, are you kidding me? Like, why am I not out there if I ever was in that situation? Where I know that there was one game we played Rutgers and a lot of my past teammates were on there. So this was a very important game for me. And I didn't start that game. And I think there was like 15 minutes left in the half. And I thought we were just kicking ass. And I remember just saying, like, I honestly don't really want to go in because just the momentum we have right now, I don't want that to be messed up in any way. And so that kind of shift within me was a big one. So for someone like you, you scored the goal to tie the game against Michigan State and then assisted the second goal in that game. (laughs) You scored the game-winning goal to upset number five, Penn State. And then you scored the second goal against Bucknell. And then you also scored in the Georgia game. So these are all massive games towards the end of our season. So what was it like kind of finding the footing there? Yeah, so throughout the season, I touched on a little bit with just, honestly, a lot of like lack of confidence. Um, I was a senior and I hadn't like earned that kind of respect of just having been through the program. And that's something I can't ever earn, but kind of just also being relied on in any way. Um, You always look to your seniors to kind of, they've been here, they've been through it. They are relied on just because of that. Um, And that was something I just didn't have and something I was having to earn. And because of that, And just a lot of the new things having to deal with being in this conference was um, just a lot of uncertainty. And again, with uncertainty, I was not confident in what I was doing. And the lack of confidence, one, made me sadder. And you never play well when you're sad. Um, And two, I was just second guessing myself a lot. And then, sorry, but when we played Michigan State the first time, um, I remember... I was on the bench. I didn't start that game. And I remember I was just sitting there and my leg was just going. And I thought we weren't playing. Like our season was on the line that game. Um, And I'm sitting there and I'm fuming because I'm like, I'm willing to give everything I have right now. And I'm sitting here watching it happen. And I got my chance to go in and play as well as I could. And we all were sitting there after the game. A lot of people were crying. I won't ever let my opponent see me cry. So I'm just sitting there death staring Dave. Um, everyone's crying around me. Our season's ended. And then he kind of reveals to us that, no, you guys are in. A miracle happened. And when he said that, I gasped and just started like sobbing. And I was kind of just like, I have another chance um, to almost redeem myself. And I was just so motivated. Um, I met with Sam and we kind of just talked about a lot of stuff. And the biggest thing we agreed on that we needed to fix was kind of our mentality. And that week of practice, her and I kept saying, like, we got each other's back and we were just going to singly work our ass off. Like it was the championship of whatever. And we were going to try to hold people to that same standard, but more so lead by example. And it worked. People started doing the exact same thing. And we had an awesome week of practices and then going in the Michigan state, the second time around had that spot and was kind of like time to leave it all on the line. Um, And then we went down and at halftime, even our halftime speech was so different. The first time around we were laughing in the locking um, tent. Um, We were laughing and I remember sitting there like, you guys serious right now? Like we're losing. And then the second time around, we're all in there and we're all saying like, all right, this is the game plan. We're doing well. Um, we can get it back. Like we came out with that and we were able to put one away. I was petrified they were going to call it off. We thought it was offsides. And I was like, 
I was behind them. I was so confused. Like, I didn't know what they were arguing. And I thought it was off sides. I was like, I swear I wasn't off. So I think we're good. I'm pretty sure it was they thought I fouled. Um, and then a few minutes later, on a corner or across from you, um, Maggie went up and it went over her and I was able to head it. And it hit off one of your players. Um, it just slowed down the ball's speed so much that it wasn't going to go in. Um, your goalie was going to get there and then Soap was able to get a touch on it. And then holding on to that lead was brutal. Um, they were attacking us and they were coming down our wing a lot. And I remember just going, okay. And then having to run back and just doing a whole bunch of running. Um, and kind of just I interrupt you here. I wonder if Jordan remembers this moment because there's one specific moment from this game where I literally die laughing every time I think about it. And it's after you just lay out a Michigan State girl. So sorry to the girl that Kelly laid out. And the foul is called and the Michigan State girl's on the ground. And Kelly's trying to give us game directions, like talk about what's happening. And like a bunch of Michigan State girls are by us. And Kelly's like, guys, breath like you're fine the girl's on the ground still the play's not going anytime soon I was trying it was number 15 um I'm pretty sure I don't know who that is but I gotten up and I went back and like I said you guys were just attacking us and that your right side our left side you guys just kept going down and the rotation I was having to do because our forward was back taking away the outside forward on your team um I was having to get the outside back the holding the attack and I was running all over the place and so I was with the holding but then they dropped it to your outside back and so I charged the ball and I was just like I I'm like guys I can't breathe and so I'm trying to tell them I'm like we have to rotate over so that our outside forward can move back up and then we can man mark better instead of like having to run late to all these balls and I'm trying to explain that and Everyone was like trying to listen to me, and I was literally like, "Guys, we," and I couldn't breathe. And then Sam's like, she started laughing, and she was like, "Kelly, like it's okay, take a breath." And I remember kind of just sitting there, and I'm like, "Sam Carey's laughing in this moment right now. It must really be funny." And I, and everyone else behind it was laughing, and meanwhile, I'm just like dying. <laughs> I vaguely. I don't remember like exact I remember Sam laughing at someone but like I was focused on probably our player and like what we were doing in that time I was like what the fuck is she laughing at oops what is she laughing about right now like what is what is so funny over there but I do remember that but so I mean what I'm hearing though is like I'm looking at the reason we got kicked out of the Big Ten tournament here like you two sing like ruined my season <laughs> I'm not bitter. It's fine. You still you guys had a great season. <laughs> you guys destroy us once. Kelly and I met for coffee. We started the I got your back tradition. I assisted her goals. She assisted off of my assist. And then before every game, we always hugged each other and said we got each other's back. Mm-hmm. Dang. So- it was more so the sense that, like, again, we felt like the mentality of I'm going to lay everything on the line to get this win um, was lacking. And so the I got your back was more so I'll support you in anything you say to the team. But it was also really just about like, no matter what, I got your back in the sense I you can rely on the fact that I will do everything I possibly can to win this game. And I know she'll be doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's definitely like needed in a especially a postseason mentality where it's like you lose and you're done. And it's interesting to hear your perspective on that final game, too, where Okay, so you thought your season was over. You barely make it. I know I've talked about this with Sam, but you barely make the Big Ten tournament. And now you beat us. You go on this run. What were the feelings as you're kind of going through this postseason where you essentially didn't think you were going to make it? Coming into the game we played with you was just really motivational, I guess. Um, Self, especially. Just like a lot of redemption and... It was kind of like, don't waste your second chance. And that's what we were given. Going against Penn State was more so we just keeping referred to as underdogs and that we're not very good. And this great team, number five in the nation, is supposed to probably wipe the floor with us. Like it was a fluke that we got in. 
Um, so now number five in the nation is playing a team that just scrapped by by a miracle to get into the tournament. And so the mentality going into that was everyone was laser focused. I remember I've never seen our team so quiet. Everyone had their headphones in and we were going to use that to our advantage to to the point that they probably thought they were going to walk all over us too. And we were going to make it our game by fighting and scrapping and making an alley fight and kind of knock them off their game um, and being able to essentially dance around us. Um, we took away that space and we were able to get a victory in overtime. Um, wish it was golden goal, would have saved some running. Yeah, that. And then I think honestly, the hardest mental game was Wisconsin because I wasn't here for it, but the storyline apparently went like upset, upset, upset against Wisconsin, I believe. And so I remember just hearing the story and I'm like, all right, history's rewriting itself. But I also was looking at it at the fact that statistically Wisconsin wasn't as good as the first two teams we beat. So mentally people could shut off and be like, oh, well, we already accomplished that. This should be a lot easier. Um, and then I also had the fear that like, if anything were to happen, it would be in this game and you just got to get lucky. And we did, we were able to get a PK and then theirs got taken back by correct ruling. According to Sam Carey, Wisconsin was probably the hardest mental game because it's like, we're at the final stride of doing all these remarkable things and we got to just kind of see it through and finish it. And we were able to. Yeah. Yeah. Going from your two-sport athlete going through the transfer process and then getting your redemption arc all this stuff what was it like kind of holding that trophy and seeing it all come to fruition and having you know that tangible thing to hold above your head for all that hard work honestly I feel like I had more joy after your game um there's just kind of something like the Wisconsin game was like in a sense almost like I guess almost boring um, I don't know how else to explain it. I know that's like a bad way of writing it, but it's like the Michigan State game, we were losing and then we come back and then come back right after and then we're just fighting to hold on. Penn State, we're going at them the whole game. I think they had hit a crossbar, stuff like that. The game's tight. And then we have to go into overtime and there's a possibility of PKs and we get the goal like very late on so far that's after the 90 minutes. Um, where Wisconsin was not, and it also probably happened to be, we weren't like, we were in the daytime. Um, so we didn't have that dramatic effect of night, but just the fact that we were able to get a goal early on and then holding on to it where like the last like 10 minutes, it's still like obviously a battle, but I just know that when we all went into huddle, I jumped for like about five seconds and then bent over and started like gasping on my knees because I just had to track all the like defenders like passing. And I remember just thinking like just relief almost more than excitement and just kind of like embracing the moment of like, okay, it paid off. Um, I'd also never made a playoff. Uh, we missed it three years at my old college by like that. And so when we were at your game, I was like, oh my God, we just missed it by that again. And so I'm oh one for four for playoffs and one for one for being in playoffs and winning. So I don't know how you want to look at that stat. Um so Iowa Soccer <laughs> Big Ten tournament champions, two part next year, back to back. Yeah. Kind of, try. A, um, kind of a final question to wrap this all up for you yeah. then is like looking forward into this next season with all the changes coming into the Big Ten and you taking your fifth year knowing it's your last kind of season of eligibility here. What is the mentality and feelings going into it? Not this is like the first time that there's going to be unknown where I even was saying to Sam, like she knows that she's going to be done after this year and then go play pro there's still just the chance of like injury. We might get a second COVID that comes out of nowhere, stuff like that. So it's like, I know I have one season left and nothing's ever guaranteed. And now that my season's done, I have to wait several months to get there again. Um, and you never just know how life turns out. And knowing that this could be my last few games of soccer, where I used to sleep with a soccer ball when I was like six, thinking it would make me better. 
and dreams of playing in the World Cup and the Olympics and all those crazy things that um, so rare people get to experience knowing that my road in this long journey of mine is about to end is really kind of just sitting back and enjoying the ride for what it is. Um, but also being able to say that I did everything I could um, because that feeling of ending a game or even ending a season, feeling like you didn't do your best and all that regret, um, that's something I don't want to have for the rest of my life. So the one thing I want to be able to say is I enjoyed my season um, and I did the best I can. Kelly McGordy, you are absolutely incredible. I'm so thankful for a random FaceTime call and a random gas station last <laughs> November to drag you to Iowa. And I couldn't have been more thankful to have a year with you. And so thank you for joining us and telling your super unique story and best of luck in everything you do. Thank you. Thanks. All right. So like I said, Kelly stayed loyal, didn't spill any dirt on me. I'm sure she had plenty. She probably could have dug up. But once again, we're so thankful for her taking the time to kind of share her transfer story. And yeah, I'm so excited to see what's next for her. Absolutely. I mean, the transfer portal is alive and active. As we all know, Michigan State definitely takes, you know, full advantage of that, full advantage of the transfer portal here. We already have two transfers coming in that we've posted and signed. So that'll be exciting for our, I think they come in in the spring or fall. I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, for any just additional details, the transfer portal essentially is like a database you enter your name into. All the coaches can see it. You have your tapes and clips in there and then they can reach out to you, all that stuff. You have a window of opportunity. I'm not sure the exact dates, but I know it closes, I think, second week of December here. Um, so you'll see the transfer portal kind of start to come to a close and end as people make their final decisions on all of that and look at, to making their rosters for the 2024 season here. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. There's so much craziness going on and we're just so thankful for all of you guys. Yeah. Thanks for everything. I'm just, I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling good. We got four more meetings left tonight, Jordan. So let's go knock them out. <laughs> let's go. Let's go, Sam. I believe in you. You got this. Awesome. All right. Thanks everyone. And soccer on. Thanks guys.